0: why don't you open your Bible tonight and we started a very exciting book last week it was the book of Exodus and we went through chapter 1 tonight we are at Exodus chapter 2 Exodus chapter 2 we went from creation in Genesis to deliverance and Exodus this book is all about deliverance it's all about redemption And it paints a picture of us through an Old Testament example that refers to a New Testament truth regarding the redemption that we have in Christ Jesus, that we can experience deliverance by the blood. Do you believe that we can experience deliverance by the blood? Amen? Amen. We we sang the names of Jesus. He is Jehovah Nisi, our banner. He is our victory, Jireh. He is our provider. To sit a canoe, he's our righteousness. All of these things point to the God who is our redeemer, our deliverer. And what is it that we find deliverance from? By the blood of Jesus. We find deliverance by the blood from the world. We find deliverance by the blood from flesh, from the sin that lives inside of us that sin nature, and also the devil. And here we're introduced in chapter two of Exodus to Moses. And Moses was used, as we saw an introduction of chapter one of Exodus, as as the leader or the liberator of the nation of Israel, that God would raise up according to his plan, according to his purpose, to lead his people out of Egypt into the promised land. Uh, Moses was he who God had selected to be that leader, that that prophetic voice. Moses would represent the voice of God to the nation of Israel, to the people of Israel. They began as a family of 70. and over 400 years, they grew. Uh, Some believe over 2 million people exited Egypt during the time of the Red Sea crossing. But before Moses was able to lead this people and be the liberator of the nation of Israel, he had to go through certain years of preparation. And these are the years of preparation before the presentation. In fact, I've told the message tonight for us, the preparation before the presentation. The preparation before the, The presentation, I think all of us want that presentation. We want to be at the place where we know God has called us to be, or maybe the next season. What's next? We struggle with being faithful because we're always thinking of the destination. And I want to pray right now as we go to the text that we would not simply be fixed on the destination, that we would also be fixed on the lessons along the way. Because before God takes you to the destination, he prepares you along the way. That you would not be discouraged. You may think, well, I'm waiting too long for the place that God has for me. Or for the season, or for the answer of prayer, or to be used, or for effectiveness in ministry. Maybe you sense that you're underused or discouraged. I've been there myself in life. And the Lord constantly reminds you that before he can do a work through you, he has to do a work in you. And that is what God is doing in the life of Moses. The years of preparation are vital in the life of a servant of God, and I want you to know, don't be discouraged. In fact, Moses, if you study his life, he wasn't truly an effective leader until he was about 80 years old. Now, some people would say that's very encouraging. Others would say, that is very discouraging. (laughs) But it doesn't matter where you are in life. God has a perfect time of preparation and also a perfect time of usefulness. Amen? So let's read there, Exodus chapter 2. We'll read a few verses and then we'll pray. Exodus 2 verse 1, And a man of the house of Levi went and took a wife as the daughters of Levi... So the woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. Now when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes from him, daubed it with asphalt and pitch, and put the child in it, and laid in it the reeds by the river bank. And his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. Then the daughters of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river and her maidens walked along the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maids to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him. And she said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Your word of that reminds us that you are faithful. You are a faithful deliverer. And that regardless of the opposition of man, the critics, the persecution, Lord, you have a plan for our lives. And that plan involves protection and preservation. That, that no man can stand against your purpose and plan in our lives. And we ask that today you would remind us, you would encourage us so that we stay in your perfect will according to your perfect time. In Jesus' name, together we said, amen. Amen. If you remember chapter one, this was a place where Pharaoh was intimidated because the nation of Israel, the population was growing. And he looked at the Egyptians and he said, let us attack those that are being born, the males, the boys that are being born. He told the Hebrew midwives to uh, not allow the Hebrew boys to survive at birth. And the Hebrew midwives, we learned through chapter one, they feared God. That, that was such a key lesson. They, they feared God. They wanted to please God. That Yes, they feared Pharaoh, but they feared God more. And they they were not willing to... Uh, do what Pharaoh called them or ordered them to do. They wanted to please the Lord. So Pharaoh here is saying for any male child that is born that that they would be thrown into the Nile River. And he's attacking, he's persecuting God's people. We know that Saiyan's agenda was always to attack the nation of Israel. But here we find two things from the backdrop of Pharaoh's persecution from the backdrop of opposition. Number one, the deliverer is born. And number two, the deliverer is prepared. Two things, the deliverer is born and then the deliverer is prepared. Verse one of chapter two would say this, and a man of the house of Levi went and took a wife of the daughters of Levi And so the woman conceived and she bore a son. This is God's divine appointment. This is the faith of Moses' mother, and this is the faith of Moses' father. And we see here that the woman conceived, she was pregnant, she gave birth to a son, and when she saw that he was beautiful, he was a beautiful child, it says, that she hid him three months. Now in Exodus chapter six, verse 20, it would say that the names of Moses' parents, and we'll look at that in several weeks, were Amron and Jacobed. Those are the names of Moses' father and mother. But the woman said that she, had, she would have given birth and she gave birth to a beautiful child. And she saw her child, said, this is a beautiful child. Now one of the interesting things about this in Exodus is that it was Moses who wrote this book. And you just think what he thought. You know, he's reading, he's inspired by the Holy Spirit. And when when it's time to speak about himself, he says, you know what? I was a beautiful little kid. (laughs) There's also another portion where he writes, and Moses was the most humble man on earth. (laughs) But, But this was Moses writing. Now, why would he say that about himself? Well, probably because his mom told him. <laughs> and moms have that type of love that no matter how that baby looks, she thinks she's the most beautiful child she's ever seen. So Moses is writing this, and you see that Moses' mother is the mother of faith, but she's a mother of a vision because it would tell us this, that she saw the mother, the wife here, That he was a beautiful child. It it was almost like she can see God's plan, God's beautiful plan in the life of her son. A woman of faith, but a woman of vision as well. I can see God's beautiful plan in my son's life. In Acts chapter seven, verse 20, Stephen the martyred gave those that were persecuting him a history of how God had been faithful through the nation of Israel. And in Acts 7, verse 20, he reminds them regarding the childhood of Moses when he says this, Acts seven twenty. at this time, Moses was born and was well-pleasing to God. This is what Stephen says about Moses. And he was brought up in his father's house for three months. Now, what did they do, the parents of Moses? They, they hid him for three months. They hid him to protect him, as any child would need protection from parents who loved him. This was a natural instinct from his parents. But they also had faith. They also trusted God more than that. They trusted in God's providence, and I want you to see that there. And God did not fail them. They knew God had a plan for their son they are not only hiding their son in their own strength, but, but they have trust, they have faith that God is in control, that, that God is not gonna fail them. Yes, the parents of Moses were God-fearing people. In fact, they feared the God of heaven more than the king of earth. It would tell us in Hebrews eleven twenty three, 23, they made it, this family, to the hall of faith. They made it to the hall of faith because of the faith that they had in the Lord. In Hebrews 11:23, 23, it would say this by faith. Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents. Do you see the, the God-fearing parents that he had? Do you see that his parents had a faith in the Lord, that they feared the God in heaven more than the king on earth? By faith, they hid him three months because she saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. Notice they were not afraid of the king's command. Why were they not afraid? Because they already had the fear of God. And when you have the fear of God, you have nothing else to be fearful of. When you fear God, there is no one else you need to fear. And it said that they did not fear the king's command. So what does his mom do? He says, but when she could no longer hide him, this is a difficult task. Think about hiding your son for three months. She took an ark, and I want you to circle the word ark there, of bulrushes for him, daubed it with asphalt and pitch. She watered proofed a little basket that it was in a form of an ark. She put the child in it and then laid the ark, which had the child in the basket in the reeds by the riverbank of the Nile River. She could no longer hide her son. She puts her son in an ark and she waterproofs that ark and she then puts the baby in that ark. She puts the basket, the ark in the banks of the Nile River there. Now in a natural sense, as you read this, Moses' mother did exactly what the king said, put your sons into the Nile River. She just didn't do it the way he said. Why, because she was a woman of faith, because she was a woman of vision, because she was a woman of the word. And she said, I know that the Lord will protect my son with an ark. It was the deliverance that Moses received through the ark, just like the flood that God delivered Noah, his sons, his family through an ark here. You find another picture of God preserving, of God saving. Moses' mother had the faith to raise him, but Moses' mother also had the faith to release him. Do you see that there as you raise your sons, your daughters in the ways of God? That you have the faith to raise them and then you have the faith to release them or to give them over to God. Lord, we trust you with the life of our children. And I'm gonna give up something as precious as my son because I'm trusting that God would care for him and possibly even make a way for me to receive him back to myself. you know that God is so faithful? When you give everything that you have unto him, he he will give it back to you. He wants you to know where your heart's at, if you really trust him. And she was trusting in the Lord. She she had faith that that God would care for her son. In verse four, it says in his sister, we learn later, that her name is Miriam. She stood afar at a distance to know what would be done to him, that they were watching, they were waiting. What's gonna happen next? The future of Moses' life was in the hands of God. That that is the best place to put the lives of our children. Amen? In the hands of God. She stands from a distance. They they put him there in the Nile. And think about how, how Moses... When he's writing this, he's looking back at God's sovereignty in his life, that he's realizing God had a perfect plan for my life, even from birth. That God has a specific plan for each and every one of us, even from birth, even before birth. In Jeremiah, the Lord says, before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. I formed you. This speaks of God's perfect plan for our lives. In Psalms 139, would you write this down? Verse 13 shows you how personal God is with us. This is the Psalmist David. He says, for you form my inward parts. God knows us. He knows our inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. You you, you fashioned me. You formed me. I'll praise you for I'm fearfully and I'm wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. I'm so confident, Lord, that when I was in my mother's womb, you already had a plan for my life. The psalmist can rest in knowing that God has created us with a plan and a purpose. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book, they were all written. Isn't it amazing that God has a book that he writes, everything that will take place in our lives? The days fashioned for me when, as yet, there were none of them. Amazing to realize God's plan for our life was preordained by his knowledge, by his will. You know what our desire should be to stay in the perfect will of God for our lives? But here comes the providence of God in verse 5. Here comes the perfect timing. You you can't make this up now. Then the daughters of Pharaoh, the daughter of Pharaoh, a princess, came down to bathe at the river. And the reason why they bathe at the river is because they believe that these waters were sacred. So they would come to the Nile River to bathe there. And it would say that her maidens walked along the riverside and And when she saw an ark among the reeds, she sent her maidservants to get it. This was done all by God's guidance. This was done by the orchestration of God's hand to orchestrate that the princess would go out and bathe at a specific time, that her maidens would walk by the river bank and that she would notice the ark and and call her maidens to to go and bring the ark to her. And it said that she opened it in, in verse six, And she saw the child and behold, the baby wept." That's important because God uh, called, God caused Moses to weep here. It was almost like God poked Moses, said, oh, Moses start crying. (laughs) Because notice what happens when when Moses wept, so she had compassion on him. It wasn't just that she saw a baby. It it was the fact that he was weeping. You see, the the Egyptians were taught to despise the Hebrew children, especially during this time. But the fact that he was weeping, it caused compassion uh, from her towards him. And she said, this is one of the Hebrew's children. Yes, she was conditioned. Yes, she had a preconceived idea in her heart and mind regarding the Hebrew children because of the culture and time that she lived in but she had a compassion in her heart because she heard him crying. There were baby tears that were God's first weapon in his war against Egypt. The cry of Moses. Think about that, this is the cry of Moses. God is carrying out his eternal purpose in spite of human opposition. And I want you to think about that. I want you to learn that and and take that with you, that God will carry out his eternal purpose in your life in spite of human opposition. Regardless of what man does, God has a plan for your life. And man can't withhold or stand against God's plan for our lives. So then his sister, verse seven, said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for you? Miriam goes and approaches the princess and says, shall I go and find one of the Hebrew women that she can nurse this child for you? She comes with a great suggestion, think about that. And Pharaoh's daughter said, go, and so the maiden went and called the child's mother this is the mother of moses now and miriam his older sister she sees the princess reaction of compassion towards her little brother and she approaches and says shall i go and call one of the hebrew women and she says go and call one of them and what does she do she calls the mother of moses And God in his providence allows this. I want you to know this. You know what providence means? It happens by the permission of God's control. God allowed this. God permitted this. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. Think about that. She is now receiving wages. She is getting paid to raise her own child. (laughs) You know what this looks like? A divine appointment. This looks like providence. This looks like the hand of God. These are the fingerprints of God. There are times in our life that we don't realize why things align the way that they do. And you know what we can say, Lord, to God be the glory, great things he has done. We don't give credit to chance or circumstance. We don't live by circumstances. We we don't live by chance. We, We live by promises. And we trust in the hand of God. You know what I love about this is that as she was nursing and raising little baby Moses, the deliverer, she was teaching him who he truly was. You could almost imagine her carrying Moses in her arms and whispering things in his ear as he grew, that he was a Hebrew boy, that he was a child of the one true living God, that he worshiped Yahweh, that he was a part of the people of the nation of Israel. God orchestrated this as the first season of training in Moses' life. You know where the first season of training happens in the life of a child? with their mother, with their parents, at home. Moses was learning who he was because of his mom. There's a terrible identity crisis in the world today where kids are confused about who they are. You know how a child learns who they are? With the instruction and the faithful teaching of the word of God at home. And you see this happening here. God's plan, God's purpose, God's hand of protection. Before I formed you in the womb, Jeremiah 1.5, I knew you. This is God saying, I know you, Moses. I I sanctified you, just like he told Jeremiah. "I I separated you, I set you apart for a special purpose, for a special plan. I ordained you a prophet of the nations. When we look at these verses, you have to understand that God had this beautifully planned so that Moses would receive deliverance. And not only would it would be the deliverance of Moses, but also from it, it would come the deliverance of the nation of Israel. God saw all of these events so that Moses would be delivered and so the nation of Israel would be delivered as a result. God God skillfully guided the parents of Moses to put them in a basket, to waterproof the ark, to set them at the reeds of the Nile River. God orchestrated and guided the currents of the Nile River in the right direction. God orchestrated and guided the heart of the Pharaoh's daughter to have compassion on this Hebrew child to further his own purpose, and to further his own plan. From the heart of his parents, to the currents of the water, to the response of the princess. God was involved in all of the details. Know that right now, God is involved in all the details of your life. He is involved in all the details. That's the kind of God he is. And the child grew and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter. And he became her son, so she called his name Moses, saying, because I drew him out of the water. That is the meaning of that name. This is a beautiful picture of adoption. The child grew, his mother was done nursing him. He was of age where he can go and live with the daughter of Pharaoh. He became her son, she adopted him. She called him by her, his own name that she would give him, which means, I drew him out of the water. Uh, he has been delivered from the water. What a reminder for Moses as he grew up, that he himself had been delivered by God as well. That as he was delivered from the water, he would be used as the leader liberator to deliver the nation of Israel from the waters as well, the Red Sea. And here in verse 10, it describes that, the birth of the deliverer, one who has been delivered from the waters, adopted into the family of the princess. Now notice the preparation of of Moses here. It says, now it came to pass in those days when Moses was, was grown, that he went out to his brethren. Notice he went out and he went out to the Hebrew people and he looked at the burdens and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. Now he knows who he is. You have to remind yourself of that. He he knows who his people are. And it came to pass that he had grown physically but he had not grown spiritually. Yes, he had God-fearing parents. Yes, he knew who he was, but he still needed more time to be prepared. He he still needed to be seasoned in God's school of shepherding. (laughs) He needed to see how, how he wasn't actually as prepared as he thought he was. Have you ever been in a situation where you realize, I'm actually not as prepared as I thought I was for this. And you know that God is showing you that ministry doesn't happen by human effort. It happens by God's grace and by the Holy Spirit. And notice he was grown here. And one of the important things to look at as he was raised in the House of the princes, the Egyptians, is that he was given favor, he, he was given position, he was probably giving the best education, Moses. He was exposed to knowledge of that time that the Hebrew people wouldn't necessarily know. He he probably spoke multiple languages. Moses possibly learned to read and write very early on in age. He learned a lot regarding what the Egyptians knew, regarding science, regarding geography, regarding mathematics? And why is this all important to see in verse 11? Because this is all so part of God's providence and preparation. God was preparing Moses. And you know where he prepared him? In a very unlikely place. Where? In Egypt. That meant that he had favor. That meant that he had position. That means that he had a special education uh, given by the government of Egypt. God used Egypt to prepare Moses, even in that most unlikely place. You may think, why am I here right now? Whether it's a job, whether it's a place, whether it's a season in life. Well, God is using even an unlikely place to prepare you for the next place. You may not understand it, but... How many of us can rest in Isaiah 55, 8, where it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. What was happening here? Moses was becoming equipped. He was equipped, but he needed wisdom to use that equipping. He was Receiving knowledge, he was receiving understanding, he was receiving education, but he still needed the spirit of God, the wisdom of God to know how to apply that. In Acts 7.22, would you note this tonight? It would say, Moses was learned in all wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and in deeds. Do you remember when he says... To the, in the burning bush in Exodus, later on, which says, "Well, Lord, I can't really speak." Yeah, you can. You're learned in mighty in words and indeed. That was an excuse. He he learned. He was equipped. This is what he was. I think it's important that we look at every season of our lives that we would learn all we can, and then dedicate it to God. Wherever God has you, learn everything that you can, and then dedicate it to God and faithfully serve him. Don't be concerned about the destination, be concerned about faithfulness. Be learned, be equipped, be invested, and then dedicated to God. So he went, in verse 11, to his brethren, and he looked at their burdens. This is amazing here. What is he looking at? The burdens of other people. He looked at how they were forced to work. Uh, He saw their mistreatment. They were being mistreated while he lived in luxury, while they were being abused. And in verse 11, he uses these words that he looked and that he saw. Mistreatment, abuse, beating. You know what this causes in Moses right here? This causes emotion. This is gonna cause a lot of distress. An Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brothers, you know what you see in Moses here? He has the right heart. He has the heart of God. He he shares the heart of God. He can't stand while his Hebrew brother endures the beating, especially because he knew that's my people. Those are my brothers. And as much as luxury that that he would experience or ease and privilege and position and favor that he had. He, He knows this is not me. Egypt is not me. It was the faith in God that he had that had been instilled in him that served him to help him know who he was. So it caused him great distress. It caused him great emotion. In Hebrews 11, verse 24, I want you to pay attention to this. It speaks of this regarding faith. By faith, Moses, when he was of age, or we had become of age, he refused to be called the sons of Pharaoh's daughter. Think about that. Choosing rather. I love the word choosing rather. In fact, write that verse, Hebrews eleven twenty-four. 24. Choosing rather. That, that goes into verse 25. That means that he made his own decision about what he was gonna do. He made a decision to stay in God's perfect will. He, he chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. He was a man of faith. I refuse to live in pleasure. I refuse to live in luxury. I refuse to live in privilege and favor. I, I refuse the, the pleasures of sin because he knew who he was, by faith esteeming the reproach of Christ's greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward." What does this tell us about him? Not only did he know who he was, he also knew who he wasn't. And he was not going to choose the way of Egypt. He was not going to choose the way of the world. He was not gonna choose the way of pleasure and the way of sin. In Acts chapter 7, verse 23, Stephen, speaking of Moses, says this, now when he was 40 years old. Now I say this so that you mark in your Bible there, verse 11 and 12, how old is Moses? 40 years old. He wasn't 10, he wasn't 11, it wasn't after he was an adolescent, he was 40 years old. It came into his heart to visit his brethren, Acts 723, the children of Israel, and seeing one of them suffer wrong, this is what he saw. He defended and avenged him who was oppressed, struck down the Egyptian, for he supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand, but they did not understand. You see, the pleasures of Egypt, the, the pleasures and treasures of Egypt, they faded in view of the suffering of the people of the nation of Israel when he saw himself as God's chosen man to liberate them. And so what does he do there in verse 12? So he looked this way and he looked that way and when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. He, he does the wrong thing. He, he looked this way he looked that way, but he didn't look this way. He didn't look upward. He saw no one. Do you notice there in verse 12? He saw no one, but he forgot that God was still seeing. There's sometimes we say, well, you know what? I'm just going to take matters into my own hands. Don't do it. But I'm being oppressed but I'm being attacked, but I'm being pursued, but I'm suffering unjustly, I'm being mistreated. So no one's watching, I'm just gonna get back on them and you know what, I'll bury them in the sand. (laughs) The Lord is still watching. He was moved by a sense of injustice. So he rashly, and the key word here is rashly. He was moved by the sense of injustice, he had a heart of protection. He could not bear the sight of injustice and mistreatment regarding his own people. So he rashly kills an Egyptian and he hides him in the sand. He tries to cover his own sin. What do you see? What first sin do you see here? He, He was a murderer there. What happened here? This is the danger of trying to ministry this is a danger for us to try to minister according to need. Don't ever go try to do something just because there's a need. You see that there's a need there and I'm going to fill the need. I'm going to be the answer to this need. I'm going to be the one that fills this void. <laughs> Instead of doing what God wants you to do. We don't minister according to need. You know what we minister? According to obedience. What is it that God wants you to do? He he tried to do the right thing in in defending his people, but notice he did it the wrong way. And why is it that he's doing it the wrong way? Because he wanted to be recognized by them as their deliverer prematurely. He was doing this in his own strength. He was striving. He he demonstrated himself as, as emotional. This was out of order. You will always suffer the consequences of doing something good if you do it out of order. Do things in order. Don't do it by human effort. Don't do it by human intelligence. Don't strive. Don't have yourself be energized by the flesh to get something done. He he had the right intention, but the wrong application here. And what do you learn here from Verse 11 and 12 regarding Moses, he was immature still. He he was impulsive. He was emotional here. And he lost his temper. The first time we see that he lost his temper here. He, He had no self control. When you lose your temper and you have no self control, consequently, you know what you also lose? The respect of other people. Because you lost your temper because you have no self-control, because you do things out of order. So those around you can respect that. And oftentimes we experience rejection in life by our own mistakes. Don't make yourself the victim if you're doing things this way. Don't make yourself the victim. Be wise. You, You can have zeal. But without wisdom, you know what that's called? Immaturity. Immaturity. So verse 13. And when he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting and he said to one, who did the wrong? Why are you striking your companion? Notice he comes back the next day uh, thinking he was the hero, thinking he was the answer, not realizing his own mistakes. And now the picture is different because he noticed here, he discovered that the Egyptians were only a part of the problem. Well, why do we say only a part of the problem here? Because the Hebrews couldn't even get along with one another. This wasn't an Egyptian and a Hebrew arguing. This is a Hebrew with another Hebrew fighting. Do you notice that there in verse 13? Two Hebrew men. They couldn't get along with one another. He went from being a murderer to being a meddler. He tries to intervene here. He he tries to be the answer. He says, why are you fighting? Why are you striking your companion? He thinks he's the solution. He has to be very careful that you don't think you're the solution, that you don't try to be the champion or the hero. End up looking foolish at the end. Because you did it for your own recognition instead of for the glory of God. And in verse 14, it says, then he said, who made you, this this is what they say to him. One of them said, "Who, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? He was rejected right away. He was rejected right away because he assumed a position for himself. Do you see that? The problem with wanting to install yourself by your own assumption? (laughs) Who made you this? Who who do you think you are, they tell him? Who appointed you to be a prince or a judge over us? They instantly reject him. Are you gonna kill me like you killed the Egyptian yesterday? he's, He's misunderstood. Moses, who knows who God is, who knows who he is, who has the heart to liberate and free the people, Who doesn't want to enjoy the pleasures of the sin of Egypt is rejected by his own people. And they confront him with his own sin. Are you intending to kill me as you kill the Egyptian? What are your intentions? His intentions were misunderstood. So Moses feared, notice now he's afraid. And he says, surely this thing is known. This is not a secret. He's saying, everybody knows what I did now. Proverbs 15, three, you know what it tells us is where the eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. Everything will come to light. You can do something in the secret, it will be shouted on the rooftops. His word says, be sure your sin will find you out. It's not a secret. You, You think it's a secret. It's not a secret. Even those good intentions that are done in the wrong way, they're not a secret. It will be exposed. And so they say, you want to be a prince? You know what a prince expects? A prince thinks that they have the right to rule people and expect the loyalty from the people to themselves. A judge is a person who had the right to tell you what to do and punish you if you don't do it. So essentially what they're telling Moses here he says, we don't want you to rule us and we don't want you to tell us what to do. Think about how he felt. Here he thought he was the liberator. He, he thought he was the answer, but they're rejecting him, his own people. What a picture, what a type here of what the people later on would do, the very same people, the nation of Israel, to their spiritual liberator who would come whose name is Jesus in the New Testament, our Savior. His own people would reject him. Moses and Jesus were both favored by God from birth. They were miraculously preserved as children. They're mighty in word and deed. They were offering deliverance to Israel, but they were rejected, not only rejected, rejected by anger. They were rejected in their right to be prince and judge over Israel. And you see here that something is happening in Moses that he's learning here that he couldn't deliver the people while he still sat on the throne. Jesus humbled himself, came off the throne. He became man. He became a servant. He approached mankind, the nation of Israel, as a servant through a humble way, through a humble place, in order to serve his people as a deliverer. Moses thought that he would serve them as a deliverer from the place of position, not from a place of servant. And he, he planned, he thought in himself, "I'm the guy, I have to be the guy, I have the knowledge, I have the experience. I was a beautiful child," he might have thought. He logically, he saw himself as the key man. I'm the key man here. I have the royal background, education, success. I'm just like them. Why won't they just see me as their deliverer, as their leader, as one who can give them the freedom that they absolutely need right now? But he had very little idea here in these verses, in this time of his life, that he was too big for God to use. Have you ever been in a situation, you have very little idea that you're actually too big in your own eyes for God to use? He he tried to do the Lord's work in man's wisdom. He, He tried to do the Lord's work in his own power. And when you try to do it that way, it doesn't work. You're striving. After 40 years of seemingly perfect preparation, he's 40 years here at this time God still has another 40 years of preparation for both Moses and for the nation of Israel to be ready to receive him as their leader. So what happens in verse 15? When Pharaoh heard of this matter, when he heard that Moses had done this, he sought to kill Moses. He said, Moses is not gonna do this here in Egypt. And Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh, and he dwelt in the land of Midian. A very beautiful place here. <laughs> you have to circle it. It's the middle of nowhere. It's the wilderness. It's the deserts. And he sat by a well. This is amazing. We can do an entire study here on verse 15. This is what a lot of us need to do right now. When God wants to prepare a man, when God wants to prepare a servant of the Lord, you know what he does? He takes you through the wilderness. And you know what he has you do there? He wants you to sit. (laughs) Not to fight, not to strive, but to sit. And to sit by a well and to be content and to realize that you are more thirsty than what you actually think that you need to drink more of that living water than you actually know. This is the place where God had him. He runs through the desert. And you, what do you think he feels like? 40 years living in a, in a palace, the the son adopted of a princess, he, he probably felt God's plan for his life was done. That he was gonna, have, be able to do nothing to deliver the people of the nation of Israel. He thought, I'm helpless. I can't do what I think I'm supposed to do. That is exactly where God wanted Moses to be, where he had absolutely no strength within himself. You know, God often takes us through the school of failure to teach us the most important lessons. There are some of us, that the Lord is taking us through to teach us the greatest lessons. Moses needed to learn through the school of failure that deliverance would come from God's hands, not his hands. You're not the answer. It's not about you, Moses. Deliverance is gonna come through me, the Lord is saying. He would deliver his people, but not through Moses' hand. You know who it was gonna be? The Lord says, I'll deliver them by my strong hand and outstretched arm." Everything in life, should we ask the Lord, Lord, would you do it by your strong hand, by your outstretched arm? But God, I have the education. I have the degree. I have a BA. I have a BS. You know, he had a BSD I heard one day being mentioned about Moses. A backside of the desert degree. We like to be in the greenest pastures always, sit by those still waters. But you know what God needed Moses to learn? He needed him to learn solitude. He needed him to learn isolation because a servant of God needs to know how to hear the voice of God. And Moses, you think you're so qualified? you need to learn how to hear the voice of God first. Like Paul did when he spent time in the Arabian desert, like David did when he walked among the sheep. Moses needed to learn how to sit, how to work, how to be by the well, how to shepherd stubborn sheep because he would be leading the stubborn people of the nation of Israel. Do you know how to hear the voice of God today? Maybe you think you're so ready, but you don't actually realize how you're not. In verse 15, it says, when Pharaoh heard of this, Moses fled. He went to Midian. He sat by a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters and they came and drew water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. This is while he was sitting there. God leads him right to a family who worship God, the the daughters of the priest of Midian. And then the shepherds came and drove them away. They came to harass these girls, but Moses stood up. Notice again, Moses, moved by injustice. He wants the help, he's a helper, that's who he is. He helped them and then he watered their flock. He, He jumped to the rescue. Again, demonstrating sensitivity. Learning an important lesson. He's going to begin here, a different school, 40 years from fighting the city, from, from, from letting the Lord work in his life. He's not striving. He's learning to be content now. He's learning what God wants him to, to do, that, that, that the Lord would install him as a leader. He doesn't have to force open doors. Let the Lord install you as a leader. Be still, the Bible says, and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. Moses is learning how to be still. The worst thing you can do is try to install yourself in a position that God didn't have for you. You don't have to strive you don't have to try to move all the moving pieces and parts so they can be in the place that you think that they need to be in so you can move to that position. You know he was learning. If God has it for me, he will put me there. When he came to Ruel, their father, these are the daughters, how is it that you came so soon today? And they said, an Egyptian delivered us. Notice this is the first time Moses delivered someone. From the hand of the shepherds, and also he drew enough water for us to water the flock. What does he do? He he waters the flock. I I want you to look at that right there. What does he do? He he watered the what? The flock. Moses, you want to be a champion? Moses, you want to be a hero? Moses, you want a position? You want a title? You you want an image? So many people want that. How about you first start learning how to water the flock? There's a lot of people that wanna be seen as a leader. They wanna be perceived as a leader. They've never even watered the flock yet. How about you start there? How about you start being around the sheep? How about you start smelling like sheep if you wanna be a shepherd? What was the first lesson he had to learn? If you're going to deliver someone, you better learn how to water the flock. Can we pray?